Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, listen, I've been so excited about this miracle series and it was actually supposed to end today and Pastor Don felt it on his heart. No, let's continue it. And I've been loving it. And one thing I really love about our senior pastor and one thing that has really blessed me about watching him over the years is that he's always honest about things. I hear so many people say that, like, I, I just like how honest he is about life, especially when him and Pastor Jessamy get up here and they're like, they're just real people. They're like, yes, they are. They're real people. But it struck me when he was talking the other day about that message where he said, um, sometimes you're asking God, do you even care? And the message that I wanna bring you today first popped into my heart. I was on an airplane going to our sister church in Mexico in May of 2018. And the message popped into my heart and I felt God really prompted me to work on it. If I could be honest with you, I worked on it for a while and I don't feel like I finished it like I should have at that time. I just kind of got distracted and didn't put the work in. But what I didn't know is that over the next three and a half years, the message that God had placed on my heart would be something that I wouldn't just learn from the Bible, but that I would learn to live in my daily life. And so today I wanna speak to you out of Mark chapter five. And we're gonna read a lot of scripture right now, and I hope that's okay with you to read a lot of the Bible. Mark 5, 21 through 43. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake. Now, I just want you to know this for a bit of context. When we say lake, this is not just a lake. This is a big, big lake. This is so big that storms would happen on this lake. It's miles long. And Jesus had actually sailed all the way to the other side of it, to this region that was primarily Gentile people, non-Jewish people, people who weren't like him. He went all the way there. And literally all he does is he walks in there's a demon-possessed man who is tormented by evil spirits and who is tormenting people. And Jesus heals him. And then he tells him, you need to go and tell everybody what I've done for you. Tell everybody what God's done to set you free. And then he just turns around, gets in a boat, and pretty much just goes right back. I want you to know, this is just a sidebar, that Jesus will cross that lake just to save you, just to take care of you, just so that you can be set free from what's tormenting you. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. It says he got back and he went back to the other side of the lake. So he's taking care of this man and there's a large crowd gathered when he gets back to the other side on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so, he can, so she can live. And Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Could you imagine if you went to your doctor's office and that was the scripture they had on the wall? Not like I know the plans I have for you, but like she suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them and she got no better. In fact, she got worse. Like I'm leaving right now. I'm gonna give you a nice Google review too. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd. Listen to this. And she touched his robe. Some translations say she touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought to herself, she didn't even say it out loud. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 
And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. So Jesus realizing that power had gone out from him, he turns around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Do you ever get surprised by how sassy the disciples get with Jesus sometimes? Like, did you really not think twice before you just kind of went at the son of God like that? I would be a little bit worried. So he keeps on looking around. He just ignores them. Kind of like they're his kids or something like that. And then he's looking for who did it. And the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. She came and she fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Couldn't you have picked a different word, troubling the teacher? I don't think that's really bothering Jesus. But Jesus overheard them. And I want you to know this. The word overheard in the original language also carries this meaning, ignored. Jesus overheard or ignored them and said to Jairus, Jesus was in an ignoring mode right there. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Everybody say faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing was happening. And he went inside and, went, and he said, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. But Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Today, I wanna to preach two sermons to you. And it's really just one sermon, but it's about two different people and two different groups of people in this room are gonna take it in two different ways. So we'll call it two sermons. See, the Bible is so interesting when it weaves these two narratives together. And you need to know that everything in the Bible is intentional. In fact, this particular passage that we're reading is Peter retelling the story to a young man named John Mark who had traveled with Paul the apostle. And so Peter, Jesus's right-hand man, is describing what happened in great detail for a great purpose by the leading of the Spirit of God. And so if these two stories are woven together of these two people, there must be something that we can learn from it. I think about it like if you ever watch like the Marvel movies or the Avengers movies, you know, Tony Stark is fighting in space and Spider-Man's up there with him, and Captain America is down in Wakanda, and they're doing something else over there with the Black Panther. And it'll cut back and forth between these two people. If you're a lady in the room, think about it like you've got mail. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, they're always in the same place, but they never see each other, oh my gosh, until the very end when they're at that park. It's two narratives woven together. And that's what makes a great story, by the way. And so in this narrative, we see these two different people. And can I be honest? They could not be any different than they are. Let's start with the 
obvious, obvious facts. Number one, she's a woman and he's a man. Now, in our society, this is important, but it's not as important as it was to them. Because in their society, women were seen as second-class citizens. Women were not treated the way that they are today. Women were not viewed with respect as much as they are today. And if you move beyond that as well, not only was she a woman, but she was a woman who reached out and touches a rabbi. That's not really what you do. And then you can move beyond that and you can say, well, you know what? The other thing is that she's, known, she's unknown and he's known. I mean, think about this for a second. This, this story is recorded in three different gospels. One of them is Peter's account. One of them is Matthew's account. Matthew was there too. And Matthew was a tax collector. Have you ever spoken with an accountant? They're very, very detail-oriented people. And if all three of these gospels choose not to tell us her name, do you know what that tells me? Nobody figured out what her name was. Nobody knew who in the world she was. But everybody knew Jairus because Jairus was the leader of a local synagogue. Let me break this down. You're in a Jewish community. That'd be like if this town was all Christian and he was a pastor of a church like Pastor Don here or like Pastor Ray at Oakwood across town. Everybody knew Jairus's name. He was known and she was unknown. The other thing I think is interesting is that um, Jairus was seen he walks up to this lady, or to, he walks up to Jesus and he bows at Jesus's feet. And with boldness, he asks for Jesus to heal his daughter right in front of the crowd. But then you have this lady and her goal is to remain unseen. In fact, she just blends in with the crowd. And she says, if I could just touch his garment, then I'll be healed. So you've got this lady who's, unknown and unseen. But the other thing about her is that we know from scripture that she was unclean. And what that means is she was ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. She had an issue with a continuous flow of blood. And what that meant, according to the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 15, is that she was not allowed to enter the temple. Now, that meant that when everybody else traveled to Jerusalem for festivals, she was not allowed to go into the temple where people worshiped God and experienced his presence. That also meant that when people were around her, she had to be extra careful not to contaminate them, and they had to be extra careful not to get too close to anything that she had touched. This is a lady who has lived her life distant for the last 12 years from the people that she loves and distant from the presence of God. But then you've got Jairus, and Jairus is the synagogue leader. He knows all the rules. And I bet you he follows them to a T. So this lady is unknown, she's unseen, she's unclean. Jairus is the guy that looks like he's got everything together on the outside. And I wanna to speak to you today if maybe you're that person that feels like you fall in the ladies category, that unknown. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody knows my story. God doesn't know me. God doesn't care about me. Maybe you feel like you're unseen. Maybe you feel like people know me, but they don't notice me. They see me, my family sees me, but they don't notice what I'm walking through today. 
Maybe you feel like you're the person that's just unclean. And maybe it's something that you did in your past and you can't seem to shake it. Maybe it's something that you're struggling with right now that you can't let go of. Maybe it's something that was done to you and, and you just feel like at this point, who would want me? And would God even wanna do something good for me? I wanna tell you today that if you're that person, God knows you. This woman's name was never recorded in scripture, but God knew her name. God saw her in the midst of a crowd. And I just wanna say this too, even if he didn't see her at first, if Jesus didn't see her at first, he could sense that she was there and he came looking for her. In fact, he made it really awkward so that he could figure out how to be a blessing to her. And finally, you know, you may feel unclean, but something this lady teaches me is that when I feel I'm at my worst, that's the time when I need to get closest to Jesus. And that's the moment when he turns around. When you are at your worst and you get close to Jesus, that's what makes him turn around. Can I tell you your greatest act of faith might just be when you feel at your worst to come up and just hang on to his garment for a second. But contrast this lady with Jairus. Contrast this lady with Jairus because Jairus is the guy. He is the guy that's known in the community. He's the guy that looks like he has everything together. And I wanna speak to you today. If you're the person that when you walked in these doors, people would look at you and go, oh, they've probably got everything right at home. Oh, they serve in church all the time. Oh, they give, they're part of a small group. I know that everything's probably going great, but what they don't know is the desperation that you feel on the inside because something somewhere in your life is breaking down and you need Jesus just as much as that lady does. See, I think it's really important that we don't judge people based on their appearances because people might've looked at Jairus and thought, oh, he's coming to invite Jesus over to dinner tonight. He's coming to have a theological discussion with Jesus. He's coming to introduce himself and invite Jesus over to the synagogue to teach. But Jairus wasn't doing any of that. Jairus was coming and he was gonna fall at his feet. He was gonna get on his knees, a position of humility. A respected man in the city would get down on his knees and would reverence Jesus. And he wouldn't just ask, he would plead for his baby girl to be healed. We can't judge people by how they look when they walk in these doors. And I wonder what it must have been like for this lady. Just put yourself in her, put yourself in her world for a second with me. Imagine when it first started, it was like, oh, this is weird. That's like every man says that when we don't wanna to go to the doctor. I'm weird, but it'll be fine. Probably get better in a little bit. But then it's like a year and the Bible says she's seen every doctor she could find, spent every penny that she had. And it didn't even get better, it got worse. I want you to just picture yourself as this lady. And if I could just be honest, I, I bet that some of you feel like this person right now, whatever that issue is that you've been dealing with. Year after year, for over 10 years, you find a new doctor, and you go, I bet this one can do it for me. And you scrounge up all the money you have and you probably borrow some from your friends and your family. You probably sell something that you made to try to do this or that. 
And year after year, you have this hope, like, I, I bet he can do it. I bet she can do it. And every time, it's like your miracle just passes you by. And then you find yourself kind of relegated, I'm sure, by a certain time to like, this is my way of life. I don't go to the temple when everybody else goes. I keep my distance from everybody else. This is me. This is what I do. But still there's this hope in you that maybe someday. And then you see that Jesus is coming. And there's a huge crowd. And here's the thing. He's already been asked to do something important by a very important person. And so you see that Jesus is gonna pass you by. And I wanna ask you this question today. What do you do when your miracle passes you by? What do you do when the thing you've prayed for for 12 years begins to walk by you? But see, here's where we stop and we think about Jairus. I picture Jairus. I picture his little girl got sick a week or two ago. They thought it was just something normal. They thought she would be fine. They gave her whatever they gave her back in those days and they just trusted God. I picture that his daughter keeps progressing and I picture that his wife's like, hey, we really, we really should take care of this. And he's like, I know I'm doing everything I can. And I picture that it gets to the point where he's like, she's about to lose her life. And I see Jairus, if we could say it in today's term, I see him telling his wife, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find Jesus. He's our last chance. I'm gonna go find Jesus. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna bring him back and everything's gonna be okay. And I picture like he goes and he runs. And he's like, Jesus. And he gets on his feet in front of this crowd. And he humbles himself before the man of God, a controversial man of God, by the way, who some people were opposed to, who were very influential religious leaders. Acting like this could have cost Jairus his spot at the table. But he gets on his knees before Jesus and he humbles himself and Jesus agrees to come. This is the best possible scenario. I picture if it's today, Jairus is texting his wife, hey, listen, I got to Jesus in time. He's coming. Everything's gonna be okay. I'm taking care of it. And so they begin to go and the crowd's coming with him and it's this crazy thing. And Jesus does the absolutely unthinkable. He just stops. He stops and starts asking who touched me. This is, the disciples, we judge them all the time because of the things they said, but really they just said what everybody was thinking. Everybody in the place was thinking that. And somebody had the guts to say it and it was probably Peter. That's probably why he didn't say his name when he gave the account to John Mark. But the disciples started asking like, Jesus, why would you stop now? Can you imagine what Jairus was thinking when Jesus stopped? This was not a 30-second ordeal. It takes about 10 seconds to read it when you read the account. But when you read it in other gospels, particularly in Luke, what it describes is that not only did everybody just kind of freeze for a second, nobody would confess that they were the one that did it. So Jesus has to keep on asking. Then when she finally says what she did, she comes and falls at Jesus' feet. And she proceeds to tell everybody, not just I'm the one that grabbed his coat, but she tells about her condition for the last 12 years. This is not a 30 second thing. This is a minutes long ordeal. Have you ever sat at a stoplight when you knew you were late for a meeting 
and you're like, oh, if there's anything I could do to make this go faster, you tap on everything you can tap on. You're ready to honk at the stoplight to see if it'll go. Do something. Picture Jairus. 10 times that scenario. And it says something so fascinating. I never caught it until actually late last night. It says this, it says, while Jesus was still talking to the woman, messengers come from Jairus's house and they say, your little girl is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. See, I wanna speak to two types of people today. One type of person here, you've been at this for 12 years and you've been believing God or however many years it's been for you. And you felt like nobody saw you and nobody noticed you and nobody cared and certainly maybe God doesn't even care anymore. And you're just wondering if there's one more shot for you to reach out. I wanna tell you today that there is another chance. And I wanna tell you today that Jesus still cares. I wanna tell you today that he'll stop whatever he's doing and turn around to take care of you because he loves you that much. But I wanna to speak to the gyruses here today. I wanna to speak to the people who believe that um, they prayed every prayer the right way. See, if I'm gyrus, I'm starting to get kind of angry. Like, do you understand that I came and I, I kneeled before you in a posture of reverence and worship and humility and I politely asked you to come and heal my daughter and this lady just barged in and took it? If I'm Jairus, I'm getting frustrated. This lady has been alive for 12 years with this condition. She'll be fine for another hour. My little girl's about to die right now. If I'm Jairus, I'm beginning to question if God sees or cares about me because he just keeps looking for this lady out there. And what I find so fascinating about this is that Jairus could judge that lady and that lady could judge Jairus. See, that lady could say, Jairus has got it all going on. He's fine. He's able to go to the temple. He has a healthy, nice family. I don't even have kids, at least as far as we know per the scripture. Jairus has everything he needs. I'm just gonna reach out and grab it. And Jairus could stand there and go, what does she need? But I wanna just pause and say this. Sometimes when we're frustrated that our miracle hasn't happened the way that we hoped, or worse, when we're frustrated because we saw it happen for someone else, maybe we need to pause and ask God to give us some compassion, to help us to understand the situation. If I'm Jairus, I could be thinking, I've done everything right. She did everything that you weren't supposed to do and she got what she needed. But let me show you something in this text that's so important. See, every detail in the Bible matters. And this lady had suffered with an issue for 12 years that distanced her from God and people. In fact, the Bible says that the life of the body is in the blood. That means that year after year, life was leaving her body. Year after year, she would walk around tired and weak. We know that scientifically. And for 12 years, she suffers this way. For 12 years, she tries everything she can in the natural. And some of us have tried everything we can in the natural, but still she suffers. But here's the detail I want you to catch. The Bible says that Jairus's little girl was 12 years old. And maybe the miracle that you're frustrated about, that someone else got that you didn't receive, 
Maybe you don't understand like Jairus didn't understand at that moment. That for 12 years, I've been enjoying this beautiful relationship with my healthy little girl who's growing up in life. And for 12 years, this lady has been isolated from people and losing her life. See, I don't know if you're Jairus today or I don't know if you're that lady, but here's what I know. Don't you ever think that you've missed your miracle? Don't you ever think that your miracle has passed you by? Don't you ever think that just because it's been a decade, God can't still do it? Worse, don't you ever think that it's been a decade so God doesn't care anymore? Don't you ever think that because the doctor said this, that must mean it's over, like when those messengers came to Jairus? Don't you ever think that because somebody told you something different than what God said, that it won't happen? See, maybe you didn't miss your miracle. Maybe you're just in the middle of one. I would say it this way, actually, maybe you're just in the midst of one. Because what happens is this lady's losing her life for 12 years. Everything in her life is dying. And in the midst of a desperate moment, she reaches out and grabs something from God. In the midst of when it seems like there's no more hope, she finds a way to hope again and believe. And I want you to catch what Jesus says to Jairus. I don't know what Jairus is thinking. I just know what I would have thought. But Jairus never gets to say a word because Jesus just turns to him as soon as the messengers speak. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, just have faith. And I just wanna speak to you today. If you're the person that says, I thought it was gonna happen. I thought God was gonna do it and he didn't. And all hope seems lost and he did it for someone else and he didn't do it for me. And I'm questioning why. I want you to just hear the voice of Jesus saying, don't be afraid, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Because as different as these two people were, there were these incredible similarities. And I want you to know that a moment of desperation makes everybody human. It evens the playing field for everybody. Did you know that this man, he comes up, Jairus, and all of this, all of this respect that he has in the community, he kneels at Jesus' feet, he bows before him, and he asks him to do something for his little girl, his 12-year-old little girl. This lady who has suffered for 12 years, she receives her healing, and then she bows at the feet of Jesus in fear, after she receives it. See, they both had to get on their knees before Jesus in a posture of reverence, in a posture of humility, in a posture of submission. The other thing that I see here that they both had in common is they both had to fight the crowd. See, I don't know if it's been 12 years of waiting or I don't know if you just recently asked Jesus, but it didn't happen as fast as you thought. But I do know this, you're gonna have to fight a crowd. See, there was a crowd that would have excluded this lady because they wanted to follow the man who was influential. But she had to push through the opinions of people to get to her miracle. And when people have told you that 12 years is too long to, to keep believing, why don't you just maybe press the brakes a little? Why don't you just kind of be content with where you're at? It may not be that God's gonna heal you. I want you to know that it's okay to push through the opinions of the crowd and grab hold of Jesus. I want you to know that when the world seems noisy and hectic and chaotic and you don't know what to believe anymore, all you have to believe is just this one thing. If I can just touch him, he'll heal me. 
And then you have Jairus, and Jairus is facing a different thing. See, the crowd wants to go with Jesus because he's, he's influential, and I bet they want to go with Jairus too because he's influential. And frankly, because people are nosy, right? If someone's influential and they got something wrong in their life, everybody's like, oh my God, what did he do? He must have done something wrong. That was pretty customary in that day, in case you didn't know. A lot of times if someone was sick, they blamed it on a sin issue. And they would say things like, well, did the kid sin or did the dad sin? Now we get a little bit of a scandal in the mix. And Jesus does the most brilliant thing. He just ignores people. And sometimes you need to ignore the people who are speaking those kind of things in your life. Those people who are coming and say, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. Do you realize this lady didn't want to bother Jesus either, but she just chose to reach out and touch him in any way she could. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't worry about it. It's already gone. It's already over. Don't mess with him. He just needs to do his thing. Your girl is gone. And Jesus says, get him all the way. I can't have that kind of unbelief in this room. And then there's this crowd of people who maybe would have come and they would have had this, how do I say this? They would have this expectation and this pressure in the moment. And Jairus didn't need that. He just needed to be with Jesus. Maybe you just need to get away from the pressure and the expectation and you just need to be with Jesus. See, there was a crowd that they were both confronting. They both had to kneel before Jesus. They both had to face fear. Jairus was clearly about to face fear if he already wasn't in that moment because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have turned to him and said immediately, don't be afraid. See, Jesus knew what Jairus needed before Jairus knew he would need it. But this lady also dealt with fear. As soon as she realized what happened to her, she feels fear. Like, I got called out in the middle of this crowd. I'm healed, but still in front of everybody, I'm getting called out, and it's gonna be known that I'm the one that took healing from Jesus. First of all, she's probably a little confused. Like, I didn't know that I could just take it from his clothes. That's crazy. <laughs> she gets down on her knees in fear, but Jesus calls her daughter. I wanna show you this. Both of them struggled with fear in their own ways, but both of them had the faith to just stick with Jesus, to stay close to his presence. See, Jairus had something that he was believing for. It was his daughter. And this lady reaches out and she's healed and Jesus calls her daughter. You know that we're all sons and daughters of God. If he's a perfect father, I want you to know this. He's not passing out healings like dinner around the table. And maybe there's eight of us and he gets to number six and he's like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't make enough. I think I ran out. But sometimes when things don't happen in the timing we thought they would happen, we feel like God forgot or God ran out. Let me tell you something today. God is a perfect father. He does not forget and he does not run out. God will take care of you. And so I don't know today if you're this lady or if you're Jairus, but there's one thing I do know about, and that's Jesus. And there's two things that they both have in common that make this miracle happen for both of them. Faith and proximity. Faith and proximity. Now, Jairus' faith looks different than this lady's faith. I think this lady's faith looks like this bold, amazing faith. Like she's like, I know if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. 
Jairus comes and gets down on his knees and he just begs. Can I tell you, both are faith. And you may feel one form or the other at certain times, but if you came to Jesus and you're asking him to do it, you already had the faith to get there in the first place. The second thing is proximity. She said, if I could just touch him. Do you know that when Jairus originally requested for Jesus to go to the house, he said, if you can just touch her, she'll be healed. See, all that you need to have a healing happen in your life is faith and proximity. You just need to believe that God not only can do it, but that he wants to do it. And then you just gotta stick close to him. And my friend, I can't tell you if it's gonna be 12 years or 12 minutes or 12 seconds. I don't hold the keys to that. But I know that if you have faith and proximity, God's in the middle of that. And that's where healing happens, amen? You know, I told you that I... Um, learned to live this sermon over the past three years. And my wife and I have been walking through some stuff with our little girl and she has some recurring health issues that are important to us. I would say this, you know, I know some people who have kids who have gone through much worse things. I have family members who have had to be the ones that give their kid the chemo pill. But it's important to us. And we've gone to doctor after doctor and we've prayed and we've prayed. And I, I wanna share this with you for a really important reason. It's okay to be both people. It's okay if you start off like the lady for a little bit and you're like, I got this, he's gonna do it. And it's okay if for a little while you become Jairus. And you just sit at his feet and you go, God, I'm not even sure you care anymore, but I'm here because I still believe you can. It's okay to bounce back and forth. Because here's what I know. If you're coming back to him, you still have faith and you still have proximity. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.